Welcome to In The Stiffs podcast with me, Sam Aston. I'm joined by my friends and former Shrewsby teammates, Gavin Cowan and Dave Edwards. What year? 1986. <gasps> Young pup. Baby. Wow. wow. Dad used to send me around to get the carries in. <laughs> You'd like uh, to think you're going to get in the football team then. <laughs> Imagine my shot, my little lad Jack joins Pontsbury School. <laughs> Sam Aston, there as deputy head. I'm like, what have we done? <laughs> and then around 27, 28, they're still thinking, yeah, you know, I can still do it. I can still do it. I can still do it. And the reality is, it's very, very unlikely. Oh, I think to accept, I suppose, it wasn't. A- I was fortunate to have one three-year contract, which lasted eight months. Yeah, a lot but you of- need a bit of advice, don't you? When you're 21, 22, you need you, you need a bit of support, don't you? It's well, easy to say that now at our age. I'd Go in. Should be telling if you're listening. I'll come in and uh, tell the lads. Get a course. Yeah. Do something. Uh, Born in South End. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, definitely. Like, can I just ca- clarify this? I'm not from South End. That is dirty part of South uh, Essex. Whistle through mine. Born West End of Newcastle. Posh part of Newcastle. Brilliant. Wrap when, it up, which that'll do. Well done. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to In The Stiffs podcast. Um, apologies for episode three. It was a little bit longer than anticipated, but we were enjoying ourselves, weren't we, lads? Well, today is going to be a in- little introduction to ourselves and how we have ended up sat around this table together. We've got Gavin from down south, Dave from the Midlands, and me from the beautiful north. Dave, shall we start off from you? Dave, born Shrewsbury. Local lad. Yeah. What year? 1986. <sighs> Young pup. Baby. Wow. Wow. No, yeah, so I was born locally, grew up um, more towards the Welsh border, a little village called Halfway House, farming background, some of my dad's family's all farmers, my dad used to do the milking, so most of my childhood was spent on the farm, but my older brother, he was dead into farming, and he's he's got his own business now with um, sort of tractors and machinery, but I had no interest whatsoever, so I was always just in the fields or um, in the barns with football, and, and that was me. Get you fit, strong. Dad used to send me around to get the carries in. <laughs> so halfway house, so, um, what school did you go to? I went to a sm- very, very small primary school. There's only seven in my year. Um, Westbury Primary School, which is not far from where I lived. You'd like uh, to think you're going to get in the football team then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, that was good. And then I went to, to Mary Webb, which is quite nice now because um, that's in, in Pontsbury where, where I live now. Yeah. Um, my lad goes to school there. My wife went to school there. So it's all it's all really nice. And they went, my little girl goes to the same school, Sam, that you had a little spell at as well, deputy yeah. head. Yeah. Imagine my shop, my little lad, Jack, joins Pontsbury School. <laughs> Sam Aston's there as deputy head. I'm like, what have we done? <laughs> got this incredibly handsome deputy head teacher, Mr. Aston. He was thinking, surely that can't be the same one. I checked the Ofsted and everything beforehand, so imagine my surprise. Um, and then what happened from there? So when did you get picked up by Shrewsbury Town? Well, a bit, a bit of an, an interesting one. So when I was, um, I was just playing local football for um, for Worthing Juniors. And when I was, uh, I think it was 11, I got scouted by Wolves to go for a trial, um, a six-week trial. Um, went on that, but about two weeks into the trial, Shrewsbury asked me as well, and I was a massive Shrewsbury fan. A few of my mates were already at the um, the centre of excellence, so I just left Wolves, went straight to Shrewsbury, which looking back might have been a bit of a, a strange one, but um, I did that. But I was I was only there for two years, and I just I just didn't enjoy it. I absolutely hated the, the whole structure of it and the amount of training, not being able to play with my mates and, and things like that. So I really struggled with it. And so by the age of 13, I think it was, I, I knocked it all on the head and, and just went back to playing local football. Did you? So you, it wasn't academies back then, was it? It was Centre of Excellences or School of Excellences, they used to call it. Yes, Centre of Excellences, yeah. Of excellences. And it's nothing like it is now. We used to train 
once, maybe twice a week max. Just play more or less local teams, teams around the Midlands and a little bit into the Northwest. But um, yeah, I, I just didn't enjoy it. I just wanted to play with my mates and have a bit of fun. And it was a little bit too structured for me at that age. What was your parents' response to that, Dave? Because obviously at that age, there's a lot of parents, isn't there, that are really eager for their kids to get involved in football. What was it, When you've just turned around and gone, yeah, I don't want any of this, I want to play with the lads, what was their response? I'm really lucky. My mum will just always just, whatever it is that makes you happy, you do that. And with my dad, it was actually my dad who said to me, you just don't look like you're enjoying it, mate. You have no spark and it doesn't look like you're, you're improving because you're not enjoying it. Are you sure you want to be here? And then at that point, I was like, no, no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. Were you good, though? Were you, were you one of the best players there when you were 13? I, I wouldn't have said you were a star I, when you were 13. I don't think so. I don't know. It's hard to remember back then, isn't it? But I, I don't think so. I could, I could always run. So I was always a, a runner, midfielder. Um, you, weren't, thought, you weren't a childhood prodigy. No, no. There, there was definitely better players than me in the team. Um, yeah, so it was actually my dad who, who said to me, no, I think you should, if you're not enjoying it, just, just knock it on the head. So I never had any pressure, which you see a lot like Sam, your lads involved in academy now. My, my boy's been um, in the academy environment before as well, and you do see there's a lot of pressure from parents, isn't there, nowadays? Um, yeah, certain parents. Yeah, not, is, not, yeah, yeah, it's not, not all yeah. the parents, some parents. And you find that it's the child who's living their dream. And I've seen it so many times, lads who I ended up playing in academies with, they, they hate in football by the time they're 17, 18, because yeah. they've gone through Intense. seven, eight years of intense pressure. And then it's all got a bit much for them. But yeah, I, I was lucky. And then I didn't, um, so after that, I went back to playing um, just local football. But then as we got to, I think it was year, just before my year 11 in school, all my mates started to fall away from football. Like my local school, my schoolmates, um, they were more interested in girls, just started having a few drinks and things like yeah. that. So all of a sudden we didn't really have a team. So I went and played with my brother then just on a, on a Saturday for a local team, an adults team, then on a Sunday for a pub team as well, Pontsbury. And I did that for seven or eight months until I finally got picked up again at Shrewsbury when Dear I was in year, year 11 in school. Crazy, crazy and then, little route that. No, Dave, for all these years. I've, I've never, that's the first <laughs> I've ever asked him any of that. I just presumed you were a Shrewsbury from the age of nine or ten. Is that on your CV, no. the local pub? Have you got that right at the start? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, then, and in that time as well, I actually played, because I was a massive Shrewsbury fan, so I was playing for the away supporters as well for... I think maybe for, when I was 14, 15, had a couple of seasons following time to away games, <laughs> playing for the away supporters. And then it's, it's crazy then to think it kind of come back round. But it was actually, so it was about the, the February of my year 11 and I was still playing for the county at the time for Shropshire. Yeah. And a guy called Ken Roberts, who was used to be Chester manager. Um, he's the one who famously kind of found Ian Rush, I think, um, or developed Ian Rush. And he asked me if I wanted to go back. And they had a new academy manager, Nigel Vaughan, who I've mentioned before, yeah, a, a yeah. Welsh guy who I, I got really close to. And he asked me to go back. And I remember speaking to my mum about it. And I said, it wasn't like I was jumping at the chance. I was reasonably academic. And I thought, right, I had a plan that I wanted to be a physiotherapist. And I knew the odds in football wasn't great. So it wasn't like, this is my dream. But my mum said to me, you, you'll always regret it if you don't go back and, and give it a go. And I did and got my scholarship. And then a year later, I made my debut. It was so you just, never signed schoolboy forms or anything like that? You just signed as an apprentice? Yeah, I well, I signed for... Three three months until the end of the season, and then by your apprenticeship. By find out in about the April time, got the apprenticeship. Yeah, wow. and then the following May, I made my debut. So it kind of <laughs> wow, that's quick. Jimmy Vardy it? story. That's quick, man. Because <laughs> we speak quite a lot, don't we? Like with regards to the, going back to obviously being young kids about the likelihood of them now obviously reaching the echelons of the Premier League, and, and even you're fortunate enough to play non-league football, aren't you? It's such a a massive, massive 
chance and you see so many parents almost desperate aren't they and we we speak a lot about it don't we about how from my perspective with my boy it's um with my boys it's about them going out there and picking up all them skills like them social skills working like making friends but also like the other day it was about him being competitive like he, he didn't enjoy losing and I was glad he didn't enjoy losing but equally it was like you've got to lose in the right way so it's like trying to get that balance with him and just trying to get him to understand that, look, it isn't the be-all and end-all, but you've also, you want him to push him as far as you can without the onus being, you're going to be a Premier League footballer, you're going to be a footballer full stop. I just tell him, enjoy it, go and be the best you can be. Obviously want to win, but understand that you're not always going to win. It's just trying to get that message. Yeah, I mean, my my boy being in the in the academy, it's not just about trying to become a professional footballer. I know that. I know that obviously, ultimately, that is the aim of the academy system. But I've said, it's the journey, isn't it? Yes. Enjoy yourself. And like Hugo says to me anyway, he says, if football doesn't work out and he doesn't play for Barcelona, he'll just play for Shrewsbury. Yeah. I said, that's fine then. Just yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. no good, just do, just do what your dad did, yeah. play for them then. That's fine, <laughs> but I think it's got, to be, it's got to be driven by the kid, hasn't it? And I, I listened to a podcast not long ago and I found, say, my lad's been in and around it and he didn't quite have the same desires. He's a really good little footballer, but he just didn't quite have that bite. And I was very similar to that when I was young. It wasn't yeah. the be-all and end-all for me. And I listened to a podcast of Ian Thorpe, the swimmer, the Australian yeah, swimmer. Yeah. They, they asked him on the podcast, podcast was it hard for your for your parents for yourself getting up at four or five in the morning doing these swims before school and what were your parents like the support and they said my parents were great but they said if you want us to take you swimming you come and wake us up so you make sure you're up first get all your stuff ready and then we'll take you but don't think we're getting you out of bed and do all that sort of stuff and I think that kind of hits home you you have the passion yourself you've got to want to do it and if you're one of those kids who's outside all the time playing football and ready to go to train every day then that's that's brilliant I was never really like that through my teens. Yeah, and I was kind of a bit lucky that I got a, a second opportunity. My eldest lad's like that. He just wants to play with his mates. There's no pressure. With the youngest lad, it's about, I'm trying to hold him back to say, look, just enjoy it. You know, he wants to be really competitive and he's got all these dreams and desires and it's just, just enjoy yourself, you know. So I've got two of them that I'm trying to balance off. One of them I'm trying to encourage to be a bit more competitive and, you know, one of them he just wants to play with his mates and the other one's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play for Liverpool. I'm gonna play for QPR. I'm gonna do this, and it's like just enjoy it, just enjoy it, and see. Oh, to get, get that balance, wasn't it? Because really you also you, you want to push them a little bit, and you've got to practice, and you've got yeah. to improve. But you know, I think from my point of view, it is just trying to enjoy the journey and the experiences and everything that comes with it from being part of a team, the discipline, everything like that that you learn. That is so important. Funny enough, just speaking to friends the other day, and just just being at school, bright orange hair, freckles all over my face. You know, absolute prime for a bit of banter but ultimately from that you, because you're good at football you, you're supposedly good at football people seem to think you are you end up all of a sudden all the, all the lads in the year above want it to helps know you because you play football so you, it just it helped all of that yeah. making friends and being part of a social group all of that's massive isn't it I think fo- football's a massive thing for that and sport in general obviously. that's serious yeah. isn't it this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so go on, just tell me what happened there then so you were an apprentice at Shrewsbury yeah. uh, you made your debut one year into your apprenticeship yeah so the end of my, my first year is that £45 a week or whatever you used to get paid yeah, then? 40, cleaning boots? £45 a week, cleaning boots, yeah. I Use didn't, I didn't have clean. the glory of cleaning yours. I was cleaning the physios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and shakies. Well, you wanted a bit of physios. Oh, shakies. shakies. Yeah, yeah, shakies. Class, yeah. Did he get a tip? Christmas tip? Yeah, I must have done. must have done. Yeah, no, I must have done. Yeah, so I, yeah, I was doing all that and cleaning all the dressing rooms after games, the physio rooms. I remember sweeping the tunnel at the gay meadow and things like that. That's how it should be, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I'm absolutely a massive advocate of that. I mean, there's Start definitely the a balance. Some of the stories that you, I'm sure all three of us could tell now might not yeah. be, you know, suitable to air, but 
definitely that side of it, that work ethic, like being there, having a pro, cleaning his boots, cleaning his pants, his training gear, jobs afterwards at the ground, at the training ground. At the time, I will admit, you know, you look at it and you go, do I really want to be a footballer this much? But then you do it and I look back now and it's the making of you, isn't it? It's the absolute making as, of you. As a first year YT, you're actually quite excited to see whose boots you're going to get to clean and stuff yeah. like that. So I got the physios, which is a bit of a letdown. But I remember the lads used to love having, Ryan, if you had Ryan Lowe's, it was good because he used to have so many boots and he'd yeah. want you to wear them in. And he'd say, yeah. And as soon as he's fin- played in them about, I don't know, three or four games, he's like, yeah, I've had enough of these. And if you're the same size as him, you're straight in there and yeah. got all these new boots. But everyone was petrified with Gemmo. So Nigel jumps Yeah, in. it's horrible. <laughs> Horrible. If, you, if he left any mud on his boots, he was in all sorts of trouble. Don't. Um, that was the brilliant thing, though, wasn't it? Like, being an apprentice with your pros, basically, you just had to adhere to it. I had um, a guy at Exeter called Darren, Darren Robotham, and he, he was brutal, absolutely brutal. But when it was all stopped, I, he would, like, take me to his house for the weekend, do you know what I mean? Because I live so far away from home. But around the training ground, he'd just be ruthless with you. He's a bit Shrewsbury, didn't he, Darren Robotham? Oh, did he? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, great finisher. Like, proper, he was at the end of his career, but proper, proper player. But he, um, yeah, there's, I don't know if it's a story I can say on air, but it was absolutely... It, ended up in it being quite brutal and me trying to think I was clever but we basically we were doing the goals around the training ground and the pros were all in their twos cooling down so we were scurrying around obviously getting all the equipment in and such and he walked past you remember that old saying what's your favourite colour blue yeah, we, yeah to we try and confuse you and I went what's that and he went what's your favourite colour blue and you remember the old twice, twice. when someone was like, <laughs> yeah. what's that twice but obviously all the pros are there so, so I'm walking past, obviously, like with a little bit of a stone in my shoe, like hopping past. Yeah, I have that robo, like thinking I'm clever. I'm going to fill you in. And we got in. Well, yeah, and we got in and the lads are like, mate, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, be fine with it. He's all right. He's only a joke. And they were like, no, nah, mate, you're not getting away with that. So obviously the whole day went past nothing. The next day went past nothing. The next day went past and I've got, the, I've got the tray of teas. And as I'm going into the pros room, I've seen them in the far corner and they're sort of almost standing in an arc. And as I've got towards the table, I've realised something's wrong. So I've dropped this hot tray of tea. Like, obviously, remember the old school pots? I've yeah. dropped it to turn and run on my heels, knowing that I'm going to get it. And there's loads of them stood behind the door. They've shut the door and that's it then. I'm in there with you them. Over. <laughs> uh, t- take, take this as, a, an, as, a, as an example. You ever do anything like that again? And they, they got me out and they all got me sort of, I was literally off the floor. And they took me into the YTS room. Obviously all the lads are in there petrified, hear me screaming. And they dumped me on the floor. Let that be known. Walked out and all the lads were like, are you all right? Are you all right? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But obviously just from having the cheek to have a bit of banter with yeah. him yeah they're flipping yeah it's good that you didn't say a word to an older pro though would nah. you you couldn't you couldn't get away the, with it. so the kids don't no one cleans any boots anymore no no i think the the, the best thing i've seen in recent years is at Reading, and it's a bit of a tradition that the kids will have to put on a christmas show for the first team yeah we used to have and to do that, that as well that's yeah that that's great fun and they've got a, like one of the lads it was usually paul mcshane at, at Reading. he would put a script together with the kids Brilliant. and he would just like have all the lads off and the lads would be raging they got these 16 17 yeah. year olds just having, having them off but that was good fun but apart from that no there's 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 nothing like that at all it used to be exciting didn't it because Christmas you would come you'd get you know like you say there you would get your money or whatever oh, yeah. you'd get off say if you got Ryan's Ryan would give you a yeah. few pairs of boots yeah, I don't know who used to like clean my boots at Shrewsby then I think he probably ends up lending me 20 quid at Christmas <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that dirty did you never went near the middle <laughs> no, of the pitch I, I, I had that age group with Goey Henry Go, yeah, um, yeah. Jamie Haynes 
George Hughes. Was it still going on then? Cads. Yeah, yeah, they were doing it then, to be fair. But, I, like, for me, coming through the youth team, I, it was almost a written rule that once you come through the youth team, you don't get anyone to do your boots then until you're really established. Especially if you're in the first team and your first year apprenticeship, you could get a second year apprentice doing yeah. it, couldn't it? Do you remember Chris Murphy? Yeah. I always yeah. remember so he was like yeah. a first year pro when I was a YTS and one of the lads had his boots, but he would never let him wash and he was too embarrassed. Yeah. You know I mean? He didn't want to let it. Stay humble. Sort of, yeah. So then after that, Shrewsbury for how many years? Five years. From when I was 16, then I left when I was And all you were doing was football there. You weren't doing anything else there. There was no studying any interest Yeah, I was doing business. my education, yeah. So I'd done, right, um, I'd done my A-levels in um, psychology and PE. And I did an AS in, in business studies as well. They, they were really good at the club when I first came because the usual thing is that you'll you'll get put on the same same sort of course. You all do. Um, you used to have to do travel and tourism on a Thursday, yeah. didn't you? And it was just like an absolute disaster. We had, we had leisure and tourism. Leisure yeah. and tourism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You went and got the posh one. Yeah, then must have lot, done it. The advanced one. The kids did. <laughs> we had um, a guy called Alan Jones who does a lot of the shop chef, but he kind of said, when I came on, he said, look, you've done quite well in your GCSEs. Do you want to do anything else? I said, yeah, I want to yeah. do it. So, and they're really good. Gate. I had my own tutor and things like that. So it was amazing. Um, that was really good. But yeah. I know Alan Jones. What a guy he is, isn't yeah, he? Great guy. He, um, Shropshire schools and colleges there. That's right. And he he was so proud because our year group, we had eight taken on from school and we were all from Shropshire, which is I think the first time it ever happened and probably the last time as well, I'd imagine. So you got so you got all your exams, did your A levels, carried on to Shrewsbury, left Shrewsbury for Wolves when you were what age? Uh, I went to Luton first. Oh sorry, Luton first, what age? Uh, twenty one. And then still young that, isn't it then? Yeah, you moved to so you moved down there. Moved there. I was Obviously. excited. I was sort of a young lad going down. I used to think it was London. It's it's not really near London, but um, getting to live sort of down somewhere on my own and experience new things. I was I was excited, but then I missed Shrewsbury straight away. Who though. did you live with down there then? So I'm, I was in a hotel for like about six to eight weeks. Got a bit of a home bird, the one. Yeah, yeah. And then I got I got a, bought actually bought a house, which was a bit of a mistake looking back. And it was like 2007 that was, so just before the crash. And I bought it, and then I lived in it for about a month before I got sold. So I was lucky. I sold the house straight away. Lost a little oh. bit of money, but I'm glad I didn't keep on to it. So yeah, I was only there six months. Um, they went into administration, and it's not Pondsbury, is it? No, no. <laughs> I lived in. It's I, not the beautiful Pondsbury. No, I, I lived in um, a place called Flittick, which was just north of, um, which was nice. So then from Luton, you went to where? That was to Wolves then. Wolves. And to yeah, Wolves. Yeah. And then you, so you, moved, you moved back, obviously. Moved straight back, yeah. Not to Ponsbury. Yeah, I was, I was living in town at this point. Yeah, so I lived in town for a couple of years before moving back out to Ponsbury. What about education and everything? Did, what, did you do anything then? Yeah, I was, I was doing like courses just off my own back. I remember I did a few different business courses and things like that. Some Fair play. Is that with the PFA, Dave? Like, yeah, I, I found the course myself and then got the PFA too. They're, big, they're good at made a PFA. <laughs> oh, brilliant. They've always been... I've PFA always half been really, don't they? Yeah, I've always been really fortunate with them. Did many other lads doing stuff like that then at Wolves? Or were you literally Wolves, the only uh, one? Um, no, there's a couple... You know, Danny Bath, he was... Yeah, I remember yeah. he, he did all of Stoke his... Now. Um, yeah, he's at Stoke, and I think he's he probably only just finished his studies, and he did like five or six years to try and get a... I don't know if he's got a degree or something like that in sports bit. science and stuff like that. Um, but no, there, there wasn't many, I think. And again, once you kind of get to that sort of level, especially when it's like um, Championship Premier League, I think the lads just kind of forget about it a little bit because they'll be earning good money and they, so you're not it's, it's not as intense yeah, as I think when you're in the lower league, you see a lot more lads doing it, especially when they get to the late 20s, they're thinking, this isn't going to last so much longer it's and you need to exactly kind of... Exactly right, Dave, exactly right. <laughs> as soon as you finish, you need to get straight into another In the job. lower leagues, I'm amazed at the amount of lads that don't do it. 
Really, it shocks yeah. me. It shocks me the That's amount of ridiculous. lads that are not also, thinking about the next stage. But I suppose you could, it's natural, isn't it, when you're younger? I mean, people would ask me when I was 21, 22, what are you going to do when you when you finish playing football? And I would I would just reply, be playing golf in Portugal. But there's lads, <laughs> there's lads who, who, who play non-league, Sam, like League Two, who are like, they're not going to be on lucrative contracts. They're not going to be on lengthy contracts. And they're and around 27, 28. They're still thinking, yeah, you know, I can still do it. I can still do it. I can still do it. And the reality is, it's very, very unlikely. Hard thing to accept, I suppose, isn't it? But you've got to start. You've if got you to have, you've got have a backup time. plan and have a plan B. Well, I think so. I think, like, for me, that's, that's the route I went down. Like, I had options to stay in League Two. And like we've spoken before, my decision was, well, do I stay hunting year to year is different for you Dave. obviously at that level they offer three four five year contracts I was fortunate to have one three year contract which yeah. lasted eight months and I think that was the decision in the end I signed that three year deal it lasted eight months and I thought you know what I've got the opportunity to now play league two football or financially I can have something that's either on par or better than playing league football and pursue obviously the next stage of your life and that's a, that's a decision that is you're right it's very difficult because I had at the time my mum and dad aren't with us anymore but they were very much like you know you're a footballer you've always been a footballer you've got to continue to do it I'd seen teammates who were getting to like 33 and were panicking and we're going oh, actually I haven't thought about this stage so I, I'd made that decision I think I was I was 29 and I was like right I'm going to try and be the best I can within non-league and then obviously tried to, to that next stage which you know it sort of paid dividends yeah, for me even, I think it's even more daunting now because how quickly you can fall out of the game there's that many professionals isn't there playing at the moment that you never think about really re-educating at 23, 24, 25 and if you're in the lower leagues because you still think you've got 10 years of playing but Lads can fall out of the game so quickly now, so it is a little bit, a little bit. I scary. think they get, they, not, they get advised more these days. Do you know they get encouraged to do courses or get no? I don't think so. No, I don't either. No. I don't. I don't think there's enough there's, of it there's, going there's on. There's the option there to do it, and your PFA, the PFA are great, and the PFA reps are great, but. I still think that the players Who, who's, in, who's interest is it really? You know, you look at the PFA. I think the PFA are brilliant. They've done brilliant for me personally. I can only speak as I find, but they've done great for the most part. But who within whose interest is it? You know, like it's theirs, isn't it? They've got to make the moves. You've got to be accountable for what you're going to be doing in your life. The so lads, the, 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 the kids, lads, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they've got to be accountable for themselves. I think, and I think, yeah, a lot but you of, need a bit of advice, don't you? When you're 21, 22, you need you, you need a bit of support, don't you? It's well, easy think, to say that now with our age. But I think that's that's the point of all these top Premier League clubs isn't it are they are they willing to filter money down the pyramid to help invest in these things because the reality is a league one club are not going to invest in someone's future at this moment in time because one they want them to focus on the here and now and two they haven't got the finances yeah, to do it i don't know i think it's, it's other people senior people i suppose so I, i'd go in shoes be town if you're listening i'll come in and uh, tell the lads get a course yeah do something oh absolutely 100%. yeah and I especially think if you're if you're playing for shoes be town and you're training four days a week and you're finishing at one o'clock you know, instead of going on Grand Theft Auto for four hours, get yourself to college. I, I think yeah. from my experience, it's like a once a season thing. So people will come in at the start of the season and say, these courses are available. Give us a shout if you want to do anything. And then it's just super about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good one, mate. Jog on. Crack <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Go on then, Dave. So um, after that, so what, what, talk us through what else have you been up to since then? then so Wolves, yes. then you went... Reading and Reading. Then, yeah, then to then Shrewsbury and then So when you're back at Shrewsbury and you're coming towards the end, you're how old were you towards the end? 30, I signed at thirty two and I sort of retired at so 30, from thirty two what what did you set up from thirty two what thinking about when you retire? Again, I was quite lucky that I kind of started setting up 
before that. So I had done from, sort of, I would say, 27, 28, I started really thinking about the future and not just sort of what I'm doing with my money, but also what I want to do when I'm older. And I've always been dead interested in business and setting stuff up. And I started setting up um, a few different businesses, which are all Touchwood still going now. And that was <laughs> kind of, they. I always thought that I didn't want to just start a brand new business when I was 33, 34. I wanted to get it established a bit earlier so you can kind of give it its best chance. Yeah, so I, I did that. Good and planning, Dave. Good planning. Yeah, it took me to retirement and then it eases the transition then a little bit, doesn't Definitely. it? Definitely. I think you need something when you retire. I think the people yeah. who get themselves in difficulty sometimes are the ones who've got too much money and they retire and they haven't got a purpose. You know, you need a purpose, I think, after you retire. Yeah. Is that what, Rio, remember Rio Ferdinand saying something about it, didn't he? That obviously he's got this all this wealth coming in week to week. And then obviously that stops, but you've still got all the overheads. You've still got, you know, with these businesses, you've still got all the investment and everybody's still wanting and you've got to acclimatise to that. So you've almost got to try and make 10 times what that is to be able to keep up with the business element of it. And, and it's crazy when people finish football, especially looking at the lads who are in super money, like they're like thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of pounds a week. You'll speak to them about investing their money. And if you do this at the right time, blah, 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 you might be able to earn a hundred grand a year off your investments, which is crazy money. And they look at you like... Phew. 100 grand a year (laughs) they work out what it is a month and it's like it's it's massive difference to what they're earning a month now and they can't see that that will be good money when they yeah incredible money when they retire so it's um trying to help lads realize the sort of normality when it when it does come to retirement i think which i think a lot of a lot of players um are so far away from reality and that's because of the crazy money and you talk about senior players absolutely I think we'd all be more than willing to go into football clubs and do that we've actually embarked on trying to do something like that in in the future but I think just give us a quick just give us a quick run through of your life career so far then can it not be as long as Dave's are you not as interested (laughs) just press for time we don't (laughs) want another another two hours come on go go Dave get what 28 minutes I'll get two minutes (laughs) in at the end okay right Uh, born in South End (laughs) right definitely like can I just categorize clarify this i'm not from south end that is the dirty part of south uh, essex so no not from there i was actually born in germany so my father was in the forces and Look a bit me, like oliver you got, Kahn. you got me you got me speaking quickly now because to, yeah can we get oliver khan on the show if he knows he looks like me he'll probably come on he'll be buzzing oliver if you're listening yeah oliver if you're listening won the lottery yeah so my father was in the forces so Germany came over at a really young age and um, there's an army base in Colchester so we were based in Colchester so went to school there just through football ended up working up and sort of been in and around Chelmsford and then working towards up the A12 towards London but um, come from a area of deprivation typical council estate little bit of uh, crime here and there but also you know brilliant in terms of not for middle class Shropshire no not for middle class Shropshire no no but um (laughs) Was really fortunate, actually, just just through football. There, there was a school that I, I suppose is like the Thomas Telford of where I'm from. That yeah, wasn't very likely that I would get in there. That I was never going to achieve to get in there, and they wouldn't normally take it from our sort of postcode, if you like, our our area. But fortunately, through football, my mum was overheard gossiping at training. Letter got sent to the school, and after I think after the third time of being rejected on the fourth occasion, I was accepted in, and that that was a real big moment for me because then it was you know mixing with middle class kids, being in a middle class environment, higher expectations. And you playing football at school, always playing football, all, all constantly, yeah, constantly, and, and and it was really my hook because again, I, I was a lad from a very very different area to these guys. I played football, sort of junior football with some of them, and sort of knew, knew them that way, but it, it was a very different way of life, you know, they're, they're middle class and. I struggled for the first year because obviously, you know, it's that communication, that social side, isn't it? Of people saying hello and you're going, all right. And they're like, good morning. And I'm like, yeah, 
is it a good morning? You know, I just, I couldn't really quite click. And then after a year of sort of, I suppose, you know, a few run-ins and a bit of trouble, all of a sudden you realise you're the you're the common denominator for things not going well. And then you started to conform a little bit. And then I had a brilliant teacher, actually, funny enough, was from Telford, um, a guy called Ian Clegg, who was an unbelievable mentor to me and re- would get me out of, you know, all sorts of problems that I would encounter in school that, you know, teachers would say, well, you won't be playing in that football match tonight, you know, and then he'd drag me in and be like, you know, you're killing me, putting me that in happens, position. That happens to me now when your teacher says, oh, um, he, can't play today. he can't play today, he's been, he's been naughty and I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking... Okay, but he's our best player in the semi-final tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for any punishment, but can we do the punishment tomorrow, yeah. please? Because we need him to play tonight. And, and I could tell my teachers, were they knew that I was a little bit more streetwise than the others. So they, they would essentially tr- talk to me differently away from the others. So they would be very sort of professional around the other kids. And like with me, they knew they could talk to me in a certain way and I would, I would respond. So yeah, I was really fortunate to have that mentor. And then from there, I was able to get, you know, playing for your junior clubs, your trials. And, and so how, old, how old were you before you got picked up by a... Really young, yeah. How it used to work back then is, like you say, it's a school of excellence, yeah, centre of yeah. excellence type thing. And, and what would happen is you play for your local Sunday junior team, and then where I'm from as well, would obviously there would be like the the local district, and then there would be obviously towards London, and so you'd have all of these clubs where we are. It's not in Newcastle; it's Newcastle, isn't it? You know, yeah, here it's Shrewsbury and Wolves if you're lucky. So for me, there's just so many clubs. So, many clubs, so every yeah, every week, what they would do is they'd give their cards, their little calling cards, and they'd obviously go to the manager and you know, oh, who's been, oh yeah. Oh, Arsenal this week and yeah Tottenham and you know it'd be like Ipswich and Norwich as well weren't too far away so you just have a cluster of cards and I wasn't the only one we, I was really actually where where I played there was some really talented lads who you know we had a- were you a superstar as a kid when you were like 13 14 were you brilliant you know were you miles ahead of the others no, I wouldn't say so I think like I think I was better than the others, but I don't think it was stand out. I think like everybody would have assumed that I was going to go on and obviously as kids, they're like, yeah, he'll play yeah. for the print. You know, when I was do- signing my Leavers book at school, it was like, yeah, give me a shout when you're watching me on TV and all of that, you know, <laughs> when I'm in the Premier League. And and, 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 and obviously people would be like, oh yeah, Gavin, what's Gavin going to do? Oh yeah, he's going to go and be a footballer. Like that was, that was always the theme. So I suppose like for me, it was, it was never an option not to do it. But you're again, always a defender. No, no, when I was really what? striker to start with, obviously. What? With these feet, with these feet, you couldn't waste these feet, could you? Right, you couldn't yeah. waste these I'm feet. Flipping it, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I've got something like the record in the Colchester. <laughs> <laughs> can someone check that? I don't know, please. yeah, can we fact check that? Can we fact check that? Because right? yeah. I'm not having that at all. Yeah, over 100 goals. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's 123, but I can't yeah. remember exactly. <laughs> yeah. But played, like, we had a really good team, and obviously then, then we, we moved into the sort of the Echo League, which was the London League, to try and challenge ourselves and then you're playing up against like your Ledley Kings and your John Terry's and your Nicky Shorey's and humbling yeah yeah. you, you go from winning 14-0 to you've, you've drawn 1-1 and you're lucky to have drawn you're flipping heck like these lads are on levels, level with, yeah. levels we played against I think they were Senrab they were called and um, I think it was John Terry's team and yeah we got spanked 4-1 and I think it was the so first. Are you the same age as them, Ledley King, John Terry? Yeah, that's yeah, your, yeah, that's your age. That, and they're all yeah. in the same area, all around London. Well, they're, they're, yeah, they're more towards London, but yeah, it's not too far. But yeah, there, there was there was a like we we were Essex, and 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 a lot of those guys would come from London to play for the Essex County squad. And if you got into the Essex County squad, you were considered to be you know a bit of a deal. So you'd come in and out of that, and then you'd, there'd be East Anglia as well, which was considered like to play for England, really East Anglia. So you you know went to a couple of tournaments abroad to like Italy and Denmark and places like that. So all a really young age which was amazing what age is this then so I went to Denmark when I was when I'd just left primary school so you go there and you like you represent yeah you do all of that yeah so so at that time you're obviously thinking 
any, Who am any, I going to pay for Barcelona or Real Madrid? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know. Like worst case scenario, I'll go to AC Milan or something like that. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was really fortunate because as, as well, you're playing against a lot of good players, so obviously raises your game, and then you do get humbled quite a lot. So yeah, and, and there was a lot of teams around us. So I, I, you end up jumping really as a schoolboy, and there was like Ipswich, Norwich, Arsenal. Leighton Orient, Colchester, like all of these clubs, you end up bouncing around and, and a lot of us sort of did the circuit and you'd want to try and let, like a friend of mine, Greg Oates, ended up at Arsenal and I'd gone there for six weeks and was like buzzing to be at Arsenal and you're playing and training there. And and did he sign for anybody though? Did he sign in school? Yeah, sign, yeah. Who sign, did he sign for? Yeah, so um, amongst all of them teams, you end up signing schoolboy forms for all of them and then coming away, it's not so much as what it is now, you know, like they, they like so you'd sign for a season and then what would happen is, like, you'd sign for Leighton Orient, for example. So you'd sign for Leighton Orient, but then obviously Arsenal would come calling. So then you'd go and sign for, like, you'd, get, you'd be able to go to Arsenal and that'd, they'd allow that to happen because it's Arsenal. And then you'd get to Arsenal and wouldn't be quite good enough. So you'd be like, oh, right, now I'm back at Colchester. Whereas now, obviously, if they can't do that, you know, if yeah. you were to take a player from another sign club, you have to pay compensation, yeah. which of course is right, isn't it? So if Shrewsbury have had someone for six years and invested in that player and Wolves want to take someone, they've obviously got to pay compensation, which is what they should yeah, do. Yeah, and I think, I think obviously if you're ripping it up, if you're absolutely ripping it up and you're playing for... I don't know, Leighton Orient, for example, they're probably not letting you go to Arsenal, you know, but at that time it's like, right, you're 13 now, you've got an opportunity to go there, we'll let you go. And then you go to Arsenal and they're like, mm, yeah, you're not quite good enough. And then, so you end up back at Colchester and then Ipswich come calling their championship and, and then you get that opportunity to do it. So I think back then it was all a little bit like more negotiating. I think there was a bit more, maybe there was a bit more integrity around working with parents as well and being able to say, look, it's a great opportunity for him to go up there. Look, we're not going to stand by and you go there and you, and you do well. So I ended up then um, doing my apprenticeship through Exeter City. So you're an apprentice, yeah, so you're an apprentice at Yeah, Exeter, so I ended up so doing that. So I got, re- yeah, so so got, that's, that's got released. Yeah, so got released. That's a fair way from... Yeah, so I'd... I'd, I'd, I'd you know, you, you went, you went and lived in digs in Exeter. Yeah, I'd briefly been at the at QPR and then obviously just hadn't really become a man at that time, you know, so it was, you know, I think ability-wise wasn't a problem, but it was at that time I was just a bit of a late developer and then find myself at Exeter and was... You know, went there, went on trial, absolutely loved it. Then got there and then, like you say, ultimately you start getting a little bit homesick. You're four hours away from home. You're giving it everything you can. Just really, really struggled was the truth. Struggled to settle down, struggled to really just try and get some continuity. I remember picking up a calf injury and being out for ages and then you come back and you can't get yourself going. And then it's like, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself out of the youth team and you're going, if I'm not getting in the youth it's, team. It's a short period, isn't it? You've, yeah. you've got two years to have a yeah. real good crack at it and you've got to make a mark in that two years. And then injury would absolutely kill you, so you wouldn't it yeah so, that's, so that's what happened so you left Exeter yeah so I was at, I was at Exeter I did, it didn't go well with me and the, the youth team manager and I can looking back now obviously at the time like I said it wasn't an enjoyable experience but w- when you look at actually what I did lived lived in a house with 15 other lads I mean we lived in a huge what would I call it like a townhouse but it was massive there was probably 15 of us in there there's YTs there was pros Noel Blake lived there obviously you know, so all of these things that you're learning, your social skills, you're finding out about each other. Obviously, the fights would break out there, arguments constantly, a lot of testosterone flying around. Then you've got to fend for yourself. So I was having to, you know, at 16, 17 years old, having to fend for myself, trying, you know, on £42.50 a week, you know, trying to not spend that on sweets, I suppose, at the time. So, yeah, it was it was a massive learning curve for me. And then, yeah, came away from there and just decided... So you, that- so that you came away from there, you're not perfect... You- didn't, didn't get offered professional or anything? No, well, I was... So you yeah, back, that, that was a story Essex. in itself. So that was agreed. And then that that was a big part of me leaving because, yeah, in the end, that didn't happen. So, so you went back to Essex, then, then what? Then where did you... Back to Essex. Just, and, um, yeah, I went... I remember here. going to Barnet. I went on trial to Barnet. Was supposed to sign there. 
got pulled at the last minute. And then my cousin at the time was playing for Ipswich Town. So he said, like, come training. And I'd been there previously. And there's a, a guy there, a well-respected coach called Brian Clue. He was like, yep, come in. And it was it was brilliant. And what, what had happened is they were doing, you remember it had gone from the YT to the scholarships. So I'd, I'd come away as obviously a YT, but they were doing three-year scholarships. So they were talking extra, now about giving extra, me yeah. an extra year. And I was absolutely buzzing. So I was thinking, this is going to be fantastic. And I remember like Titus Bramble was there and I'd known him previously <coughs> as well. And they were like, yep, yeah, brilliant. We're really pleased. Come in tomorrow. Um, so I remember being on the train with my cousin, absolutely buzzing, you know, cloud nine. Um, then got there and he just said, oh yeah, we've had a bit of a problem. We're only allowed 18 in a squad and you're actually going to be the 19th. So that's gone as well. And I just, from that moment, I was like, that's me done. I'm done with football. I'll just play so with my so mates. sacked it in. Just decided to play with my mates. And then where I'd been at Ipswich, there was a guy there called, um, he runs a charity now with Titus Bramble. He's a guy called Simon Milton, brilliant guy. And he was playing for um non-league team called Braintree Town and he contacted me and said look obviously I've heard what's happened absolutely devastated for you what a, what a terrible thing to happen why don't you come training and I was like oh, honestly I'm absolutely fine he's like no honestly just come training like, he, I was, he was like even if you just come with the reserves I was like oh, I don't mind that I'll come and have a kick about or whatever so I strolled into the ground and me being me I've just strolled in hiya Gavin you alright yeah brilliant was that out there yeah brilliant should just go out there yeah brilliant walked out and obviously started training with what I thought was the reserves actually the first team so started training and obviously doing relatively well and then Simon Milton wasn't there because he had other commitments because obviously he's with Ipswich as well and then he came to the next session and he was laughing and he said how do you, you think you got on I said yeah no it was good and he was like oh um, yeah that was the first team that you trained with I was like, oh, right, okay. Not that good of a standard then, is it? And he was like, oh, I wouldn't say that out loud. The lads is that back in the then. conference? Uh, I think it was a one below at the time. And uh, yeah, you obviously don't say that to them. Like, they'd all been brilliant players and obviously coming to the end of their careers and some top players there that had sort of played quite high at the Premier League, like Simon Milton and um, Lee Hunter was playing there as well. Um, Hunter from Gladiators. Yeah, that's it. Hunter from Gladiators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, en- ended up going to play there. But I was adamant I only wanted to play for the reserves. So I ended up playing like 18 games and scoring 23 goals from centre-half uh, in the reserves. And was like, that'll do me. I'm all right now. I'm fine. And they convinced me to sign for the first team. I will pay you. So I was like, yeah, go on then. I'll, I'll, why not? I'll have a go. And then ended up being there for a period of time, doing quite well. Canvey Island, obviously. Then you we went were, from Braintree to Canvey. Yeah, so they were really... Canvey, that's when you came. Yeah, they were really on the up at the time. And obviously, you know, it was quite well documented that, you know, they were bringing in players from higher leagues and paying good money. And so they actually paid money for me to go to Canvey and then went that's there. That's part-time though, isn't it? That's still training. To, I was that no, Canvey, Canvey was like a hybrid thing. So we were we were in the day, like it was full-time now. They wanted they, the, When I first went there, it was hybrid and it was evenings. And then they wanted to go to to full-time so the transition into that full-time because obviously that now we've been promoted into the conference because I think we've been promoted in January to the conference from the conference south and which was obvious with the players that they had and then yeah started playing for England C obviously playing in the top echelons of the conference being selected for England C then had a little bit of a fallout should we say with with Canvey Wanted to go and sign for. It's a common theme, isn't it? Hold on a minute. Very, very, very unlucky. Let's not tarnish the tarnish the brush. Then should we signed you from Canvey? Yeah, but I'd gone on loan. I'd gone on loan to Nuneaton, which I didn't have a clue where it was in the country. But Canvey wouldn't let me go anywhere in the conference or in the league because you know I wouldn't sign a new contract, basically. And yeah, there'd been a little bit of an episode in a hotel, let's say. Uh, with me and the lads messing around won't go into it too much but the lads who are listening will be laughing their head off yeah went on loan and that's where I was on loan at Nuneaton obviously didn't have a clue where I was what was going on but the people there were amazing ended up having a great time and that's where GP ran down from the stand and started sizing me up so then he said he signed for Shrewsby went professional in Shrewsby moved to Shrewsby yeah Played for Shrewsby for how many seasons? two and a half two and a half seasons then from Shrewsby went to Grays 
Grays, yes. Yeah. And when did you start? What would you start building the business in that time? It's true. Was it Shrewsbury where you started building? Grays was the catalyst because I'd signed at Grays on on you know financially it was a ridiculous deal. It was three years. I had a mate there, called him up. What's it like down there? Yeah, brilliant. Went there. As soon as I knew, the first day I went training, I just knew that, you know, it was a shocking move. Shouldn't have made it. It was just an absolute calamity, the whole place. Um, you, started, you started to think, I need to put something in place here well, for the future. Well, the thing was, it was it was life-changing. So you go there, three years, financially ridiculous, moving back to Essex. That was the big key, really. I've had enough of all this, running around, like flipping, you know, I want to try and get a little bit of, um, I suppose, continuity in my life, a few boundaries or whatever, and then went there and just knew from day one. So yeah, didn't have, didn't have a great time there, but strangely enough, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause like you say, you're chasing this dream. You've been a footballer, been fo- full-time footballer for probably about 10 years. Yeah. And then you, and then you go, right, I've been a part-time footballer, full-time footballer, Starting to go, look, you know, there's all, of, the, all of this flirting, of you know, you go in like, you know, when I first joined Shrewsbury, it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to, the, I remember he's going to the championship. He's doing this, you know, in that first, proper pre-season, all of them stories. You know, when I was at Braintree, oh yeah, QPR, you're going to QPR, Watford. All of this flirting, you know, all of the time, it just became a little bit exhausting for me. So, you know, you've, you've been you've been involved with clubs like Arsenal, you've been involved with clubs like, you know, mentioning to you about QPR. And all of this flirting just got exhausted. And I was just like, look, at the end of the day, you know, I think at the time I'd, I'd got to 29 and I was just like, look, am, am I going to keep chasing this dream or am I going to start putting plans in place? Because it was very scary for me to... That upheaval. I was still living with my mum. You know, that I won't. Get, I didn't get paid for twelve weeks at Grey's and all of this. It's very scary time. So you've come from an uncertain background in football, whereas you think this. That you know that this can go wrong at any moment because it's gone wrong at any yeah, moment. So you're thinking, yeah. let's get something in place. Yeah. So you start your coaching company. Yeah. Start well. Yeah. Enrolled on a degree. Went through Shrewsbury College. Did a two year course with those guys. They were brilliant over there. They were so good to me. And then yeah, went on to do my degree. After Shrewsbury, where did you go? You kept what did you, you kept your coaching company going even when you left Shrewsbury? Yeah, so start started the. Was it, um, was it always in your mind, Gav, to come back to Shropshire though? When I'd moved back down to Essex, I'd had such a lovely feeling here. I'd, uh, what a brilliant place Shropshire is, and I'd had the same place, uh, the same feeling in Devon with Exeter. But Shrewsbury, everything came together. You know, I bought a house here, made a bit of a life here, and and it's funny, isn't it? There's so many footballers that move from out of town move to Shrewsbury, whether to play for Shrewsbury or not. And then there's so many ex-players who still live around it just because it's such a beautiful county. And I just wanted to move back. You know, I just, the, the feeling I've got of being in, I knew, and I, I then had the opportunity to leave Greys and go back to League Two. And I had three or four opportunities. And um, I, was, I always remember being in the car park at Barnet and Paul Fairclough, who was the manager at the time, he's also the England team manager, he's walking towards the car and I was on the phone to the Manita manager and he was saying, what would it take to get you here? And I was saying like, yeah, it's going to take this, it's going to take that, you know, I'm going to need this to live and, all, and you know, it's a two-year contract. And he just went, yeah, leave it with me. So I went into Barnet and, and I sat down and he just said to me, I always remember, he said, um, yeah, you know, we can give you X, Y and Z a week. And I was just like, Paul, I, I'm not going to be able to live in the most affluent part of the country or travel from Essex that and he's like well you know you've just had a big payoff and there was this big thing because I'd signed this big deal with Grays because I'd left early everyone just assumed that I'd had this huge payoff so I was like no that's not the case and yeah yeah you're just playing the game and I was like look I can't sign for that so then got back in the car to Nuneaton and they said what have you been offered I said yeah I've been offered like obviously made it out to be far bigger than it was and he went right yeah we'll go on then we'll do it and I just that moment yep straight away I'm going to do it I'm going to move back to Shrewsbury I'm going to commute to Nuneaton I'm going to get my degree done and I literally got it all in my head this is what I'm going to do and I did it within a month I was back in the house tenants had left get um, your business going well no st- that's when I st- went to start the business all oh, right yeah so went to start, start the business, business. Well, and did it, for Nuneaton start your business yeah, no so went to Nuneaton Nuneaton then went bump at the time and then signed for Telford 
So that's when sign for Telford, realised, right, okay, I'm paying the bills, but need to think of something bigger. Yeah. That's when started Crossbar, started to build it. And obviously that's 14 years ago. And then, yeah, just played just non-league football, yeah. tried to play at the highest echelons of non-league football. Truth is, after, after leaving Telford, Telford wasn't a lucrative, but after leaving Telford, it was probably about going, right, I need to try and look after me, my family. Obviously, football's not going to last forever. And then went to some clubs that wasn't, you know, wasn't ideal, but then went to a couple of clubs that was brilliant to play at. Went back to Nuneaton and had three years there like in the conference. Brilliant, Being brilliant part-time time gives you the beauty of being able to do that other stuff, doesn't it? So that's, fortunate, that's... yeah. Just like, like yourself, probably not on a, a, such a scale, but being able to look at investment, being able to look at business, being able to look at family environment. You know, my, my kids are growing up in Shropshire. And it's just, you know... So you've done all that, and then you also start your coaching badges. Yeah. You've done all your coaching badges. Done all my badges, yeah. What have you done now? So done, a license, done, a license. Done the A license, yeah. Um, I'm on a waiting list for the pro license, but you have you have to be working within a certain echelon of football right. to be able to complete the pro license. And then, so, so you're doing... You started doing a bit of coaching. You did a bit of coaching at Gainsborough, didn't you, when you were with Brian Little? Yeah, I did bits and pieces, but went, and I, then, I obviously went to Nuneaton after that and played three years in the conference. And then because you're that senior player, you know, managers asking you to help, was a, a player assistant at Nuneaton for a little while and then signed for Solihull Moors as a player coach. That was my first real step into coaching. And then won the league with them. It was amazing. Came away from them after that. Um, unfortunately, my father had passed away, so it was time to come away from football, try and obviously spend a bit of time with the family. And then, yeah, got a call from Rob, Rob and Larry at Telford asking me to come down and help out with a little bit of coaching. So did that voluntarily for about a season and a half, just trying to help and obviously be around. Great, great obviously, for me just to be on the grass and fine-tuning my skills. And then Rob Edwards came in. So I was really lucky to work under Marcus Bignett coaching Gives you a real perspective. See a brilliant some coach. Good managers, when you've been a coach, that <laughs> yeah, set brilliant. you up for then you then get your first manager's job was job at Telford. Yeah, yeah. So I preceded Rob Edwards, who was immense, brilliant coach, great guy, class act. And then yeah, got the Telford job. So Telford were in a real tough position at the time. Probably six figures of debt. Really, that's another episode, isn't it? Telford. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Telford United supporters would like to hear that, wouldn't they? Yeah, good. Yeah, and I'd, and I'd like to tell the story. I'm still good friends with Andy Price, who's the chairman. You know, great guy, and left it on brilliant terms because we'd done a brilliant job. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have got the job if they weren't. And again, we, we like to say it's another podcast, but I probably wouldn't have got the job if they weren't in such dire situations. Does that make sense? So, yeah. are you looking to get it back into management now? Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I've, I've, I've been fortunate you to have offers. yourself as a football manager and a business owner. Yeah, so like I say, coming away from Telford, it was like an apprenticeship for me. So you're taking it from six figures of debt. Basically, they're about to shut the doors. What we did, we went through two, we unbelievable first year, eradicated a lot of debt, went through two pandemic seasons. This is pitch for a job interview, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, if it's a, <laughs> yeah. a different one, isn't it? Yeah, another yeah we will do. Yeah, but just in short, it was it was brilliant. What we did is we, I only planned on staying there sort of eighteen months, um, twelve months even if I could get to it. Was then offered a two year deal, but again, like I say, another podcast. But it was it was a brilliant opportunity, and it was a great apprenticeship for me. And I've been fortunate to, enough to have a couple of um, offers already, but a lot of energy went into those three and a half years. So, a bit of time with the family now, and then now the new year's here. My ears to the ground, and I'm yeah, I've got a few conversations this week. Funny enough, with people, and I'm fortunate again because of the crossbar group, I can be relatively selective. So the few things that have been offered been really flattering, but I've just respectively said, look, need a little bit of time out and maybe we'll re- revisit it at a later date. But yeah, definitely see myself going back into that. You know, if you believe that you're good at something, then you pursue it, don't you? But if um, if that comes, then great. If it doesn't, then I just, my life at the moment is very fortunate. I've got a wife, four kids, business, 
very happy day to day. So, yeah, good podcast, podcast as podcast. well. Podcast, <laughs> podcast should That's have been big, number one. Be should it? That should be the biggest yeah. thing on your mind yeah. at the moment. Well, it, well, it, it, tr- the truth is, obviously, my wife will probably listen to this, so I have to be a little bit right. careful. Taking, taking ages too long, right? I'm going to whistle through mine. Born West End of Newcastle, posh part of Newcastle. Brilliant. Wrap when, it up, which that'll do. Well done. Old boys Catholic school. So that's yeah. why when everybody else was uh, chasing girls, that I was just playing football. So that I didn't have makes a, girlfriend, a so lot that, of sense. That, that helped me out massively. <laughs> so when all my other friends had played boys clubs, we were all running around chasing girls. I was just playing football. So best thing to do for your kids is send them to an old boys school. Mm. <laughs> no distractions. Mm. When Newcastle Centre of Excellence, as it was back then... What age you go to the centre of excellence? Oh, 13, 14. I wasn't the best until I was like 11, and t- 11 or 12 or anything like that. Yeah. Started playing when I was 13. Any 14. players in the range or age group that were. Not really. Not really no. surprisingly enough, Newcastle. A few a couple of years older, like Lee Great, Clark, ca- great uh, catchment Watson, area, isn't it? Um, Steve Watson, Alan Thompson. They were they were all a little bit older. Great year of that. Great year. Um, Michael Chopper, a couple of years, yeah. a couple of years younger. You played with Dave Chopper. Or with him against him. Oh, right, a lot, yeah. He was, I think he was two or three years younger than me. But I was um, more of an athlete than a footballer, so I used to do athletics. Like I always tell people, if it wasn't for the ball, I'd have played for England. <laughs> That's what I tell everybody. I didn't do an apprenticeship. I got offered an apprenticeship in Newcastle, but I didn't do it. I stayed on at school, went to sixth form. Um, used to have, remember Pavel Cernicek? Yeah. He used to pick me up from, from well, when we finished training, he used to take me he used to take me to school. What was a conversation like that? He's died. Um, he's he died away, in the yeah. Well, he used to have all this sort of Czech music on and everything. Yeah. Obviously, I, I, remember I used to have a Newcastle goalkeeper shirt. Yeah, and it was Pavel his. is a Geordie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, did my year level. Started playing for Sunderland youth team. So in Sunderland, I was getting slagged off for being a Geordie, whatever. And in Newcastle, I was getting slagged off for being a Mackham, whatever. Didn't seem very fair, really. Why? Obviously, you chose not to do the Newcastle thing. Then Sunderland came along. Yeah. No, because um, Sunderland just, I just played for the youth team. Oh, uh, got released from Newcastle with, by Kevin Keegan. Oh, right, so okay. I was playing for the youth team initially, for Newcastle youth team. But it's just, um, all the all the YTs are training every single day. So I was just like at school all week, just rocking up and playing on a Saturday. Yeah. I think it was never really going to work that. So I stayed on at school, which was advantageous in some ways, because when I signed for professional at Sunderland at 18, you know, £175 a week at 18, because I hadn't done because I hadn't done a YT and trained every day. I wasn't as technically as proficient or as talented as the other as the other players. But it was a bit. I don't know. Your your, your attitude's different. You a bit more have a go. You know. Definitely, I wouldn't yeah. say fearless because I was certainly nervous. But you're a bit freer and you just played. Whereas I think if you'd been a YT, you sort of know how it works and you're a bit wary of the pros. Whereas I didn't really have that same because that same fear. I think I, mean, I, maybe, I definitely felt that like when, when you're in and around it because there's such pressures from the yeah. pros from it's the staff the build up yeah it, you've, you've really got to have a, a, a lot yeah, of character I didn't, really, I didn't really have that but I signed I signed um, my first year professional me and Paul Heckenbottom remember Paul Heckenbottom yeah, yeah. I remember him he's the manager of Sheffield United now yeah. he was the nicest lad you'll ever meet so me and him were first year pros it's gone straight from school. So what, what year was this then that you... This would have been 1996. So, so, or you've, left, so you've left probably. Newcastle just as they're about to really... Yeah, so, so I... So you've got some top players. Before Shearer went? Shearer went 96, 97? Yeah. Shearer? So I missed, yeah, I missed Shearer, unfortunately. But they had some top yeah. players, I didn't so know. Newcastle was, really, was a really good learning curve. But then, yeah, I signed for Sunderland in my first year straight from school. So I did my year levels and signed just to professionals. So I hadn't done a YT. And then I got in the first team straight away. I remember making my debut against Ipswich. Which, remember Peter Reed described me as like being Bambi on ice. <laughs> that was like this rapid, but obviously like with the ball wasn't particularly running, good. Running it out, yeah. and ice. then and then that in that first season as a professional, I'd only been I'd only been a professional for 
three years. Peter Reid offered me a three-year deal. You know, he didn't really talk about money and stuff, but he offered me at the time was about 350 quid a week, um, but it was like £400 in appearance, and it was something like £700 a win. And we were, we won the champ, what would have been the championship that year. That yeah. year. So I was like 18. Straight out school. If you were in the money. squad as well, or just... Yeah, that was like on the, yeah, in the squad, on the bench. So I was just, you know, you're earning suddenly like £1,400 a week when you're 18, yeah, and you come straight from school. And all my mates have all gone off to uni, and they're all something cast University or Newcastle Polytechnic but suddenly like oh you know after I finished my year levels three months later I'm walking in three bulls head in Newcastle <laughs> on £1,400 a week I'm like I'll get the drinks in lads so it was brilliant like that no no agent or anything back in them days no. Peter Reid was just Sam we're going to offer you a three, led, three year deal you've done really well I'm really impressed with you and um, this is what you're going to get this this year next year and the year after you just want to, have you got a pen? No, no, he has a pen then, there you go. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no problem. No problem, Gaffer, thank you. There we go. Right, brilliant sound. See you later. Bye. See you training in a bit. That was just the way it was then. Refreshing, mate. That then we got promotion to the Premier League in my first season. So my first season in football, I got a championship winner's medal. So I'm thinking, well, this is easy, isn't it? I don't know. I'm, I'm 1,400 quid a week. Where am, I, where am I going to put all these medals? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a bigger house here. I don't know where I'm going to put all these medals here. <laughs> Haven't won one that since. Was, that, was, that was the last one. <laughs> the first and last one. And then we got promotion to the Premier League and I came through the same time as Michael Bridges. So me and Bridgie were good mates at the time and um, we were playing for Sunderland and obviously he came on a sub and scored a few. I remember last game of the season, we needed a win. I was second last game of the season, we needed a win. I remember I had a big chance and I cut inside and I smashed the ball and the keep, keeper saved it. It's bounced off his knee and come back and hit me in the face. That was like a big chance. I could have been the, the goal of that clinch promotion. Then I think Michael Bridges scored, then whoever else scored. And I was like, that's how my main Bridges career started to take a different yeah. path there. Was he your age? Or was he He's a year younger than me. A year younger. But when we, we went, when we left Sunderland, he went to Leeds for five million and I went to Shrewsbury for 50 grand. <laughs> but at the time, when we were 18, definitely, and he was like 17, 18 coming to, I was like, I was definitely better than him. I was like, yeah. I'm better than you. But then he just had that bit of magic when he came on his sub. He'd just score worldly That was him as a player, wasn't it? Yeah. He did have that, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he looked sometimes like the worst footballer in the Where world. Where's he the manager now? Is it Australia somewhere? He's somewhere in Australia. He was on Soccer AM, wasn't he, on Saturday? Oh, was he? I played in the first game of the Stadium of Light against Man City. Um, come on a sub, 42,000 there. Come on wow. a sub, it was 1-1. Oh, come on a sub, we won 3-1. Obviously, I didn't make any assists, but I just tell people I came on a sub <laughs> at 1-1. Then signed for Shrewsbury, after, relegation. After a uh, loan at Chester. Yeah, loan yeah. Of, uh, loans at Chester, loans at Stoke, um, loan at Shrewsbury. Signed for Shrewsbury, relegation, then a promotion. And whilst it, um, That's when it's Shrewsbury, I started to think, <clears throat> uh-oh. Like 20, 27 now, what? I don't know. I thought when I finished playing football, I'd just be playing golf in Portugal. Give it a go on the PGA, I maybe. Think, <laughs> yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not great at golf. <laughs> I don't think I've got enough money to retire. So I started thinking, what shall I do? What shall I do? So I did, um, I started doing a business degree, which, you know, it's like back then, I used to get, I used to get hammered. I used to, yeah. I used to shoot off train on a Tuesday and a Thursday afterwards. Oh, you're off to school now? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be, be a little bit... It started a little bit embarrassed then. In the end, you just got to own it, haven't you? And I yeah. said, yeah, I am, yeah. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do in the future. And I say like, to all the rest of the lads, you just keep on believing that you're yeah. going to retire when you're 34, £5 million <coughs> in the bank. You won't. You've done it at quite a good age, really, because I say a lot of people leave it a lot later than that. So to have, yeah. the, to have the foresight at 27, to think. Definitely, yeah. And looking back on yeah. that, that was something that I was really And did that come did. from you, or was it obviously you was with me, that. I just Holly thought, at that point and things like that? I just thought... 
what what are you going to do? You know, people had sort of, and um, I think I had my daughter when I was 28. So I think my wife was pregnant at the time. So I remember thinking, oh, it's like you've got to start thinking about your future yeah. now. So I had had the foresight to do that, which was good. I mean, we had a few lads like that as well. I remember Jake Sedgemore, he was an architect. And he was somebody who came, because we'd gone into non-league, which helped us a little bit because we started to sign some of the lads who had a little bit more about them because they'd come through non-league setup where they'd got careers. Similar to my situation, wasn't it? Similar to my situation where you're like, you're looking around and like, you got like half the guys who are living in dreamland and then you've got a few of the lads who are are chipping off early. I I, um, When I was at Grey's actually, I travelled in with a lad, you'll know him, Sam. Sam Nichols, uh, Ash Nichols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great lad, and he's um, he's now um, he's now a doctor, so he's uh, yeah. he's working in the labs, cancer research, and all of that. Am- amazing achievement. He was like your typical lower league footballer. Loved the beer, loved the crack. But as soon as we were done training, he's like, "We're gonna have to chip off." I'd be like, oh, we'll just hang about a bit or we'll do this. And he's like, no, come on, we've got to chip off. And obviously then in the car saying, well, what are you up to? And of course, at the time you give him loads of stick because that, yeah. that was the culture, wasn't it? You know, yeah. if anyone's seen Oh, well, we're going to the pub, you're going to, yeah. this, you're going to, you're going to go and write the dissertation. If someone's, you loser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone's seen to be trying to better themselves, obviously you can't have that. So it's yeah. like you're hammering people. But <laughs> yeah, um, that all though for even at the end of my shoes, if I went in just a little bit smarter, if I had a... Um, a nice pair of trousers. Edo's got a meeting, and away, <laughs> as I'm walking out, they're all on my case. Yeah, yeah. But like you say, there, there's um, it's it's not a coincidence, is it? You look back at some of the guys that did make that decision, and obviously oh, it's yeah. paid dividends, hasn't it? I mean, it certainly has done around this table. I was thinking. I mean, I'm, I've I've told this story loads as well. I remember like, a bit of a day of reckoning, and I was only young at the time. I was only about 19, and we we're playing Arsenal away for Sunderland, and I came on as sub. And I remember I was faster than everybody. And I remember getting the ball. And I, remember I was playing against Tony Adams and Steve Ball and just getting a bit bullied by them. But I was like, well, I'm a kid. They're old. And I remember getting the ball at Highbury. And I was playing. Patrick Vieira was playing. And he'd just come over from France. And I thought, he left me about 15 yards of space down the wing. And I thought, idiot. <laughs> you don't leave 15 yards of space to, to Sam Aston. <laughs> so I knocked the ball down the wing and just like, see ya. Yeah. And he's just opened his legs and he just matched me sort of stride for stride. As we've both caught, come to the ball at the same time, he's just put his foot on it, just sort of rolled his foot on top of the ball, pulled the ball back, just moved me out of the way with his right arm. Then he started bringing the ball back the other way. I've tried to get back at him. He's just put his left arm across and just moved me out of the way and just opened his legs and accelerated away. And I just thought, Oof. and at the time he was 19 and I was 19. And I thought, Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Levels. Yeah. Levels. And you yeah. suddenly think, you know, it's all, I've, been, I've always been faster than everybody. Suddenly yeah. I've just come up against someone who's my age. Yeah. And he's just showed me the difference between me and him is huge. And I was thinking, how on earth am I ever going to close that gap? I'll, I'll let you have that one, Patrick. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll come back to this Patrick, later. Yeah. He's like, there won't be a next time no. because I am, because he's going to the top. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think that's when you sort of realise, I mean, not that I did anything about it then, but I remember thinking then going, can't see how I'm going to play top level of the Premier League if that's, if that's But it's their the moments, standard. isn't it? It's their moments in games. Humbling. It's their moments in and around training, it's them moments around your teammates that you either do, you are sort of, I suppose, relatively clever enough <coughs> to make them decisions or not. 
And I've, you know, I've, I've had conversations with lads who are brilliant, you know, the, the foresight to be able to see the future and what they want to do, fantastic. I've also seen lads who are just absolutely delusional. Yeah. You know, lads who have, have never been in a certain situation and still believe they get, they're in their 30s and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm expecting to play in the championship. <laughs> You're like, you know, like, trying to have, me. and trying to have a conversation with these lads is obviously very difficult because one, you, d- you don't want to kill people's dreams and you obviously got to go about it very carefully. But as they get older, at some point, somebody's going to have to say, look, Come on, you need to think of the next stage, but yeah. I think be the truth be helped, though, like, like I said before, because we had a few lads, like, remember Darren Tinson started being physio, physio and we had Kevin Streetwood being doing things. Yeah, Kevin Streety was Streety. trying to be a pastor, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah so he, time, he yeah. was a bit of a man of God, wasn't he? I yeah, remember him yeah. trying to say, can you, I don't know whether you remember that day, when the rest of them, we tried to get um, a sort of say a little prayer together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Deadly serious. Yeah, he was like, lads, everybody gather around. With, this is, we've got Luke Rogers, Ian Dunbavin, Darren Moss, all these lads. He's going, shall we say a prayer? And I was going, mm, no, I don't know about that, sweetie. I think some of these lads are going to hell. I wouldn't think, I think all the prayers in the world aren't saving some of these souls. We tried, didn't you? And I think, bless him. But he was one of the nicest lads you'll ever meet. But those sort of people. It was good because that era, when um, Jimmy Quinn came in in the conference season, he brought a lot of lads from yeah. better lower league, uh, the better non league players. So, let's say yeah. the likes of Jake Sedgemore coming in, like yeah, this Jake's real successful architecture yeah. business. And, and he was, his football and he was, was almost like still his hobby, football, but he's yeah. playing. Yeah, football was his second job, whereas he was playing with yeah. us. And with, for us, it was our main thing. But it made us think, actually, hold on a minute, there's other things to do. So from there, I carried that on. So then I seen a, a sign for Tramia, Brian Little, which was a good season affair. It was a bit of a roller. Talk about, talk about highs and lows of football. Played Oldham. I think it was Oldham. Might have been Chesterfield. I can't remember who it was. And we won 4-1. I scored two on the Saturday. So and we won four, and I, and I was thinking, good luck, good luck, um, good luck, Tram. Yeah, keeping hold of me end of the season. <laughs> then on the Tuesday, we get and beat one 0 and I got subbed at half time. And I thought, there's the highs and lows of that's football. football they go from it? Saturday, yeah. Yeah. whereas I'm literally thinking, well, that's League One there. I'm absolutely ripping it up. I'm going in the Championship to sitting on the, sitting on the bench after 55 minutes going. I don't it, know if I'm going to get a contract. It is an absolute a week is a long time. Yeah, football. a week. Oh. Yeah, I remember everything. playing at Fleetwood and winning away two 0 on a Saturday, thinking that's it then, and then getting to the Tuesday because the squad was so big then, and there was like you know obviously a lot of money working through the leagues. If in, weren't even in the squad on the Tuesday, you know those moments where you just you're right up there, aren't you? You're buzzing. You've been working so hard. You get that little moment, and then to be back on your backside. Literally a couple of days That's later. That's why it's good though. That's why for yeah. your kids as well, football's good because like you say the Patrick Vieira or you get released. So I got released, you know, things were brilliant. You get released from Tramia. Then I went to Northampton. I got, re- got released from there. And you end up, you know, it's part of football, isn't it? Getting released yeah. or getting told yeah. you're not wanted or at the very least you're going to get dropped a lot. So it's quite, it's quite humbling. Them poignant moments are big, aren't they, for character? But like you're saying there, it's those individual moments through the course of a season as well, isn't it? Those highs and lows where you can one minute you're on the back of the paper and everybody's celebrating and wants to know you and then the next minute you know you've made a mistake and you, know, you stay at home and you've got your eye behind your curtains yeah. don't you this, like, it, it it, they're the moments up. that set you apart aren't they it sets you up for life and I remember then, then when I became a teacher obviously then I um, I did my degree then I did a, my teaching programme and so then when I've qualified to be a teacher and I'm speaking to all these teachers and they're saying oh you know you're going to get you're going to get some feedback on your lesson and it might be quite brutal, you know, from the local authority. And I was thinking, I think I'd probably be able to handle it. I've had yeah. Peter Reid ri- threatening to rip me head off, telling me I'm rubbish. You've had like, whatever, 10,000 people singing, Easton, you whatever. You know what I mean? I, th- I think I can handle somebody saying, oh, I think your learning intention wasn't quite what it should have been, Sam, yeah. or something. So I think worlds, I'd be able to handle it? that. It's different worlds, isn't it? And like you say, when, when you've been in the football world, it does equip you, it does equip you for Absolutely. a lot of, a lot of sections of life. Yeah, Resilience. Yeah, I mean, we... You, 
but we say that there's a lot of people it breaks isn't there like we're sitting around the table now yeah, talking that's about what, that's, why you, that's why you're not successful then isn't it because you've got to have a career for that long you've got to be resilient you find out about yourself don't you I mean like exactly. for me obviously I had 20 years in the in the lower leagues which for me was an achievement because to be you know it's not all the airs and graces there's a lot of, there's probably more lows than there are highs so to be able to sustain that was really big and like there's a lot of lads who I know who've struggled with it and it's, it can be hard but like you say you find out about yourself there's no alternative other than just to keep cracking on and, and, and football doesn't kind of go with your emotions so if you're, if you're high in football it doesn't mean your emotions are high and likewise when you're low I find my my darkest moments is probably when I was at the highest in my football career which is it, bizarre yeah, why I, is that there expand on that day, yeah. tell us about that that's quite interesting. What do you mean? So when we um, we've always got into the Premier League, and I sort of we had three seasons in the Premier League, but I was suffering yeah. with injuries. I was in and out of the team. I felt more pressure because I knew that I was desperate to be playing. You're on the biggest stage, and then when I wasn't playing, it hurt me more, um, like emotionally. And then when I wasn't able to do it physically because I, I had a, a stress fracture in my back, I got so low then, and then I felt so guilty for being low because I'm, like, I'm playing the Premier League why should what have I got to be depressed yeah. about I was really in a dark dark place but it was at that moment where I just completely changed my whole life set on life and that was kind of got to take foot up I can't live on football's emotional roller coaster. I need to stay level headed all the time if we're winning we're losing injured or not. Right, so advice. that was kind of so in, the, in sort of the highest moment of my career was when I was the lowest but then that kind of changed the rest of my yeah. life so I think football does that for you doesn't it it makes you find yourself when you've got all the critics and you've got people who want to Tap your backside all the time and say, well done. But you know when they're going outside, they're going to have you off to someone else. And that's um, the point I was making a minute ago, because you can't be a slave to it because you will not survive. No. You know, And it's another, le- when you go into football management as well, I know it's obviously at a certain level, but once you go into football management, if you're precious about that, you just don't survive. You know, yeah. you have to just take the emotion out of it, yeah. understand that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, that you're going to get the stick, you're going to have to swallow it and you just got to keep believing in what you're doing and absolutely brilliant advice. Well, it's easy when things are going well. I mean, an agent yeah. is a classic one. Whenever I, when I was at Sunderland as a kid, I had millions of agents ringing me up all the yeah. time. When I've been released from North, Hampton, guess how many agents are out there? None, because they're going to have to work really hard to get yeah. you a small amount of money, whereas they're going to get no a money. tiny bit of hardly anything. So they're not interested. And that's what I was saying earlier, how it helped me make the... I become exasperated with forever being linked to bigger clubs, forever, and it not quite happening, you know, it never quite happened. I just became exasperated with that, but it's it hardened me. Do you know what I mean? It made me go right. Okay, you could have gone two ways, couldn't it? You know, yeah. you could have been so despondent that it drives you into a depression, or you just go right. It's not happening. I've got to think about the next stage, and this is what this is what I'm going to do. So Sam, teaching you finished now. Well, you're then, teaching, yeah, that's it. So. Yeah, so I mean, well, at Gainsborough, when me and Gavin at Gainsborough, and I started doing my um, teaching practice, which I mean, then I had to drop it just to training, just on a Thursday night, and, play, and that's when it just started to phase out. That's why I remember being last pick one time in training, and that that, that broke me. That Last pick. Sam was looking to me. Sam was looking to me. Gav, pick me. I was like, last pick. Everyone's going, oh, dog eat dog out here, mate. And I was just thinking, oh, I can't be last pick. Yeah, playing with some of these people. (laughs) I was like, he. I started started calling people out. I'm last pick, and he stood there. He's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So in the end, it just sort of fizzled out. Why? um, Why teaching though? What what kind of led you down that path? I've done a bit of coaching um, for Gav with crossbar, and I sort of I quite enjoyed it with the kids, and I'd done a degree, and a few people said, oh, you know, should give teaching go start getting into it and re- you know really enjoyed it and then it was just sort of a natural progression then like you sort of work your way up and I've always been really interested in you know leadership and the psychology around le- leaders so I'd always try to better myself as a leader and still trying to do that now because I'm still quite a novice really with being a leader so then became a head teacher so that's yeah, what, that's what I'm doing now and yeah rapper, I, have I you always it. felt comfortable in that environment or was it a little bit oh, has it ever been daunting the- like compared to 
playing football and in front of how many, however many thousand and then stand in front of assembly in front yeah. of 100 kids. You weren't always, were you? you I think no, no, definitely there. not. But definitely not because it's unnatural. You know, you come, everybody's saying that they're super confident, but you're super confident in something that you're comfortable with, aren't yeah. you? So now I'm really comfortable having an, an assembly, whereas you, David, be comfortable playing in front of 40,000. But if I said stand up in front of an assembly in front of 250 oh, yeah. kids, you'd, you'd feel really nervous. Yeah. Because it's, it's what it's what you you know you get used to. I remember watching Gav when he was speaking to every, all um, the children. I thought, oh, that's quite good. So I remember copying you a little bit and trying to be more outgoing. But yeah, it's 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 a bit different being in the staff room to um, yeah. being, in the, <laughs> being in the dressing room. Or when you go for a meal with the teachers, you know, and the, when you're with the lads in pre-match and you try and nick their last piece of steak or whatever, <laughs> you can't do that when you're out for a meal. Or the old one that we used to do with the where you have that big teapot and you'd get it, you'd get the, you'd put the metal spoon on the teapot to yeah, burn yeah. hot and try and burn people with yeah, it. Yeah, we met my You do that in the staff room with the teacher, with like the mask warning. It doesn't go down quite so well, that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly different, slightly different banter, I, yeah. I would say, in the staff room. Equally, a lot of transfer, a lot of transferable skills. It's fascinating, though, to see what, what direction different footballers yeah. go in, isn't it? Yeah. It's incredible. Really, really interesting and, but I think it does prepare you in, in some ways, like we said, resilience and motivation and feeling that, that fear in your tummy and the nerves, but you know you can cope with it because you felt that feeling in your tummy a million times when you've played football. You know, before a game, you'd feel you'd feel those nerves, but you know you would have to overcome it. Well, you still get that in other areas of your life, but it doesn't frighten you in the same way you think that's part of it. Feel the fear and do it anyway, isn't feel it? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Book, didn't we? Brilliant book that was. Was it Susan Jeffers or something? Yeah, some book that. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And that was a big thing, wasn't it? Because obviously that transition when you were coming out of football, you come to Crossbar, didn't you? Like you say, I've obviously been in it at that time. And, um, you know, you you have to be able to address parents and kids and teachers and be able to feel confident because they're looking to you for that energy. I thought you said undress parents. Yeah, that would be be a great approach, Dave. Different different one that, Dave. But yeah, no, I remember us having a conversation and you were saying, weren't you? You were saying like, you're having to do this and saying, yeah, it doesn't just come naturally. You have to find a way. You have to feel that fear. Do it anyway. You have to, you know, put yourself out there. I, suppose I, I, I describe it like karaoke. You know, someone goes and does karaoke and they're terrible. If they own it, everybody joins in and loves it. Mm. If someone's terrible and they don't really own it, everyone's a bit, oh, this is awkward, you know. And yeah. so I suppose it's that feeling. Just look, go and just prepare the best you can. I mean, that's another pocket when we talk about preparation and leadership and all of that. I mean, we, we talk endlessly about this off air, but... I'm sure that'll be podcasts to come, but it's those things, isn't it? That you, like you say, transferable skills from football actually makes this world not easier, a, di- a different challenge, but you feel like you can cope because of obviously the, the scrutiny. What, what, that you've were, been you, under with what were you two like at initiations though in football, new dressing room? That's my worst night. Did you have to yeah. stand up and do a song? Yeah, I, I, I was, I was like, ah, pick me. Yeah. Pick me. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't man, too bad. I used to have American Pie. But by the time I signed, I mean, when I signed for about 13 different clubs, yeah. they were, I was like, we're not doing initiations. Yeah, yeah. I've nailed American Pie. I know I know all seven <laughs> verses. Get yeah. me up there, please. I was, I was Initiate. Like, Gav, encourage the lads to make me do an initiation. I've got, I've got American Pie ready to go here. I'm not waving in their face. Pick me, pick me. I'll do it. I'll do it. Do the moonwalk, Gav. moonwalk. Yeah, really want to embarrass someone. I don't do well, yeah, no. right, we need to wrap that up, lads. Anyway, it's one hour fifteen. It'll be interesting. It know, won't um, be an hour fifteen when it goes out. We can cut some stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to know, though, because that podcast is a little bit different, isn't it? I'd be interested to know what people think of that. So, you know, please be honest with your feedback, listeners, because 
I don't know, it's slightly different. What we, I mean, we've got a million different stories we can tell, but we're quite good to get some feedback and know what, we're going to, what we need to do in the future. We're definitely going to get some guests on, aren't we? Hopefully yeah. we'll get yeah, on Yeah, we more. said about guests, yeah, didn't we? Joe Hart, got... Ryan Lewis, a couple yeah. of those will be great to get on. We're definitely going Had to get Had a conversation with Gary Peters as well. That's good to let everyone know. Yeah. So that's a bit ongoing. So he's in good spirits and feeling good, so... But I think we just want a bit of feedback, don't we? I mean, we've got a million stories we can tell, but I don't know, it depends what people want to do. A bit more of a serious one, wasn't it, today? Yeah, so, I don't um, know how that'll be received, will it? But be honest, give us feedback, please, and um, let us know. I think that wraps see it up, how it goes. It? We're running out of funny stories, then. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I've got loads. I'm ready to <laughs> I was going to say, because if, if you to, want me to step up, there's no I, I problem. Was trying to, I was trying to read the room a little bit, a bit of emotional intelligence, and I think we can go again with those. <laughs> You've never been yeah. good at reading the room, mate. <laughs> Episode five, straight back on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, anybody. Please leave us some feedback. Uh, in the stiffs at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter at in the stiffs. Instagram oh, at in the stiffs. Oh, Facebook Instagram, at man. in the stiffs. Oh. Instagram. Hey, we're on Instagram oh, now, yes. Yeah. yeah, on the cover photo of Wits and I. Get yeah. some filters on that, Wits. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, everybody. Let us know what you think. And um, thanks very much, Cheers. everybody.